It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thanks for being with us. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion putter Jeff Fiegels. We will be here for the next hour to take your phone calls and Twitter comments about the New York football giants. You can dial us up at 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. Or if you go to Twitter, it's hashtag Giants Chat. You can always find an archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, at Giants.com slash podcasts. But before we go any further, this is indeed the first day of practice of the 2021 training camp. Jeff, temperatures in the mid-70s, partly cloudy skies, low humidity, a nice breeze. Look. I don't think it could get any better from the players' perspective to have a comforting day to finally get back to work with some of the some of the, the uniforms and the garbs. I mean, there was not full uniforms, but at Doesn't least matter. having some helmets and pads on. Doesn't matter. You're in the building. You're back. There's excitement. I know that everybody reported yesterday. Um, that's an exciting day, whether you're a 10-year, 12-year veteran or a rookie. It is so much fun because now, the you know, things begin. And uh, the season's going to be back to a little bit of normality. Still little protocols here and there. But for the most part, uh, guys are going to come into the building. It's so exciting. You get to see the guys again. You, um, you're not sore. This is the first one of the first few days that you won't be sore. <laughs> After this, it gets a little bit tough. Although I, am, I will tell you that the conditioning test, you know, a lot of those guys, they practice just to pass it. So I'm wondering how they're feeling about that today. Evidently, everybody did from what Coach Judge said. But Yes, he did. Um, I will tell you this. It is exciting. And for, as a former player, I know that uh, this was one of the – you know you're now in it, Paul. It, here we right. go. All the off seasons over, the OTAs, all the lifting, all that stuff. Now we're here to play football. And before you know it, we're going to start playing regular games. And we've got 17 of them yes. this year, and it's just exciting time for everybody. Well, as you alluded to, the entire team did pass their conditioning drills as per coach Joe Judge, who did address the media earlier. Uh, one of the things that he stressed, and we talked about this earlier, uh, actually last week even, and, and then yesterday when he had his Zoom calls with the media, is that conditioning is the main focus. He is very, very much on top of the team's conditioning, making sure that they all ramp up properly. And this mm-hmm. includes the players coming back from the COVID protocol. I mean, those guys, they're slowly working themselves back in. Guys like like uh, Kadarius Tony, they're working themselves back in. And they're not going to rush anybody because this ramp-up period will, will not permit players, at least according to Joe Judge's instructions, to get into full garb until Tuesday of next week. So, so they've got they've got some time here to gradually get themselves acclimated to what training camp is all about. Now, Coach Judge also did say that Blake Martinez uh, is still separate from the team, taking Zoom meetings as he goes through the COVID protocol. He did not mention anybody else by name, so we're gonna we're gonna keep it right there. That's where it stands, and we'll see when Martinez is actually able to rejoin the team when he's able to get free. Um, other than that, that's the initial stuff. Uh, there are some things we can talk about as we move on about some guys who made some plays today. Kelvin Benjamin did leave practice early. Uh, as I posted on Twitter, his body language showed frustration 
Uh, perhaps he will not return. We will see. He certainly did not look like a happy camper when he walked out uh, during the middle of practice. For a short period of time, defensive tackle Austin uh, Johnson also uh, had to uh, to take a little bit of a breather at one point, but I don't I don't believe that there's anything serious there either. Uh, so that's where it stands at the moment, Jeff. And you know it's it's kickoff. That's what it is. It's kickoff to training camp, and and there's really not much else to say because there was no hitting, no full pads, no contact. It's very 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 difficult to really tell so much after what happened today. Yeah, it, it's a ramp up. I mean, that's that's really it's a good word. I think you're gonna you kind of grow into it, you know. And I think that the most important thing the coaches try to emphasize now is, and we talk about it all the time, is transition, where you transition from the from the inside of the building and in the classroom out to the field. And so right now that's very important because they're starting to install the offense, install the defense, install the special teams. So these guys got to be paying attention. Now they got a little bit of indoctrinated to it during the off season, but now as we get closer to the regular season and some of these preseason games, that playbook starts getting a little bit thicker and guys have to be able to absorb what the coaches are teaching them, bring it out on the field. That's where they get evaluated. And by, by the way, Paul, you know this. Part of the evaluation is that process. They, they want to see how these guys can, can translate what I teach you in the classroom to taking it on the field because you want to be able to have players that are going to be able to go into meetings all week and, and learn the game plan against your opponent and then apply it on game day. If you can't do that, I can't trust you on the field. You're no good to me. So this is kind of a, a big evaluation process and mentally. And then now physically, you're going to go out there and see how these guys have taken care of themselves. Obviously, I will tell you this. It's a big sign that when all these guys come back and pass the conditioning test. Now, I don't know what the conditioning test was. I know they're all difficult. Um, but that's a good sign that everybody took their offseason, those five weeks away from the facility. Uh, they took it seriously and were, it stayed in shape. Because we've been around, you have and I have, and John, everybody's been around where – there has not been guys that have passed those conditioning tests, and you automatically get kind of a scarlet letter, if you will, on your on your on your your shirt. Because if you don't do that, that means you did nothing when you were away, and that just tells you something about that player. Well, one of the things that I thought was interesting regarding what you just said about how good it is to see guys pass the conditioning tests is that the veterans who we spoke with, and and we were allowed to have podium conversations with Leonard Williams, Jabril Peppers, and Will Hernandez. And all three of those guys, especially Hernandez and Peppers, kind of expressed the thought that the veterans actually like to have difficult conditioning drills at the beginning of training camp. Now, Jeff, I don't know how it was back in the day when you were there with leather helmets, but, <laughs> but I will tell you this. These guys were saying, this is good, that Joe Judge's uh, stressing uh, conditioning not only helps you mentally to get sharp and to get focused and to make sure that you're on par with everything that he's trying to do, but they also believe that physically it did help them last into the fourth quarter last year. Mm -hmm. Now, Judge wasn't able to do everything he wanted to do last season during the offseason because the protocols were in place. Now things are a little bit different, and it's a little more normal, but, but they seem to believe philosophically that the evidence showed them last year that judges' methods of conditioning and his insistence that this is a basic fundamental part of teaching uh, a team the foundation and the fundamentals of football, that this is good, that this does allow you to be physically fresher in the fourth quarter in addition to being mentally sharp. Yeah, the one thing that does, you have to understand, as from a coach's perspective, is that when your players are in, in shape, 
Okay, there's a there isn't a propen- there's the the injuries don't happen all that often. So guys that get hurt, um, and and there's freak injuries, and it has nothing to do with conditioning. You know, a guy blows out his ACL, but the soft tissue injuries a lot of times come from early in camp when guys just aren't in good condition. So. That's why Joe Judge wants you to come in and pass this conditioning test because I want to see that you're working in the offseason when you go away um, and come back after those five weeks. So that does help in the player's recovery. Um, it helps in the guys being, you know, that they're in a situation where they, they're not going to get hurt um, unless something bad happens. But the, for the most part, if you're in shape, you'll be able to sustain. Now, I will tell you, one of the secrets to my career was that I was always in the best shape of if I tried to be in the best shape of anybody, even as I went into my 40s. But there was different ways to train. But the fact is, is that I didn't miss games and I didn't get hurt because I was always in impeccable shape. And some of these guys, that's the same thing. Some well, guys, you still are, Jeff. We, well, we, I, I every try. day you come into the studio, <laughs> you're ready to go. Jeff, it, it's amazing how all that off-season golf keeps you in shape, right? Ah, yeah, that's right. Johnny that's puts right. us to shame. <laughs> hey, I am 55 now, so I gotta, I gotta watch myself. You know, I gotta. Yeah. Hey, listen. There's things you can do. Each play, each player does that, and they come in. And as you get older, you learn to get smarter. Um, but I will tell you that the, a team that is in shape is a team that's going to win more ball games because you're going to have the you're going to have the more people on the field because these guys are in shape and they're not getting hurt. So that's that's an important thing. And and by the way, it's a lot easier to recover when you're in shape, right? I mean, you've you've kind of we've all been to this point where we start to pick up and go out and run and we start to work out again, maybe coming out of the winter and this and that. Look how long it takes you to recover. You know, if you're in shape, you don't have to worry about that. So that's a big thing. And, and these guys have not, they're not used to this. You know, they're not used to practicing every single day and in meetings and those types of things. That's what training camp's all about. It's a mental grind as much as it is a physical grind. Well, one guy in particular who talked about getting himself in better shape was Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I got to tell you something, Jeff. I, I, I always liked this kid when he came out of UTEP. John had pointed him out to me at the senior bowl practices that he had attended. Sure. And from the minute that I saw this guy, I was just like, man, he is going to be a monster there in that offensive line. And quite honestly, it's been a checkered career for him so far since he got to the NFL. Well, he told us today he's lost about 20 pounds, mostly baby fat, that he was still doing the same stuff he was doing prior during the offseason, except he picked up his intensity level and that he has trained extremely hard this year. He didn't like the fact that he had to deal with COVID last season and that he was unable to wrestle his job back. Mm-hmm. And so he has really put his foot to the, to the, uh, to the metal here, <laughs> and he has really worked hard. Uh, he's, he's changed his diet, and he is really prime for bear. This is a guy who is going to make a very strong attempt at, uh, at, at regaining a starting job. And he did say, by the way, that his last time as a regular right guard was in high school and that he did take some snaps at right guard when he was in college, but not very many. And that he didn't think, based on his experience during the offseason of training at both positions, that the switch from left guard to right guard would be that big a deal for him. He said, I can't tell you about other guys, but for me, I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it is a big deal. And this is for all players, for this matter, okay? Um, 
you know, and, and unfortunately, the COVID thing, I think we now kind of understand that Will Hernandez had a hard time coming back from COVID. There are some people that it, they were asymptomatic and didn't have that many effects. But I think that Will Hernandez did. I think it affected him coming back. And I think that, unfortunately, he lost his starting job to Shane Lemieux. Okay, so what is you if I'm if I'm Will Hernandez, I'm getting every opportunity. This the right guard position. If you think about it, Paul, is being handed to Will Hernandez. They're telling him this is your job to lose. Okay, you got a free agent guy that we signed here that's going to impress you a little bit. This is your job to lose. Now, here's the other thing. This is this is make or break for Will Hernandez. When you think about his future, he's going to have to. This is a point in time when a lot of players get in their careers where they've they've got to kind of they got to establish themselves again um, if they want to be back on the team or they want to play play the you know play a future for someone else. But there, this is where you got to buckle down, and I think that he sees that. And by the way, he went out and lost 20 pounds, which I know sometimes isn't all that good of an idea if you're an offensive lineman. But if you do it the right way, I think it is. And I think he's already a strong guy. So hopefully that, you know, he can continue to do that. But this is a point in his career where he's got to play better. He's got a chance to win a starting job, and this can help his career going forward. I'm, I'm happy for him. Well, he stressed that most of the 20 pounds was baby fat because sure. he said, I want to make sure you guys understand just losing 20 pounds <laughs> well, is not baby. necessarily a good thing. You know, but he lost it as baby fat, which he was trying to explain to the writers. Yeah, that's the stuff you want to lose. Mm-hmm. So um, that that of course was was interesting. And and Joe Judge earlier had talked about the offensive line when he was asked specifically about the guys and the battles, and he said, "Look, you know, Nick Gates is the starting center, but we will give him some practice reps at guard and at tackle, because I got to make sure that everybody." is capable of slotting into another position if we get into an emergency situation. So he said, I'm telling you, no bones about it. Mm-hmm. You'll see Gates take some practice snaps at tackle and at guard. Sure. Just because he's a starting center doesn't mean that that's where he stays. Yeah, it's a lot like the receivers. You know, you're gonna, the receivers will move up and down all over, you know, outside, inside, backfield. they got to be able to learn and understand each position because of injury. And um, that's important. The same thing with the offensive linemen. you got to be able to be able to switch around and, and be able to move guys around and, and have confidence that you could do it because you're not going to – it's not long-term. It's, it's to get you through a week of, of uh, a game where you got to have to do it or even during the game when somebody gets hurt and you can say, hey, Nick, i got to slide you over to right guard. We're going to take so-and-so and put him at center and we're going to do this and that. You know, these guys have practiced it, so it's not nothing new for them. Um, and by the way, you know, the offensive linemen – they got to know the plays at each one of those positions. Each one of those guys knows what the guy is doing to the left or to the right of them. You know, that's just a matter of, of going over and, and having consecutively running those plays. So they understand it. It's just a matter of getting the technique down. So once again, our phone number is 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. If you'd like to dial us up and dial talk some up. Giants football. Uh, another point that I need to make to you is that I did get a chance to talk to Nate Solder today as well, off to the side. Very nice. Uh, just first things first, he says that his son is doing great. That's wonderful news. He still gets some can- uh, cancer scans every three months, mm-hmm. still has some spots that you know they're monitoring but they are very pleased so far with his progress. And Nate said that he is so happy that he is back. He said he thought sometimes during the offseason, occasionally, that he was not going to come back, but that he had a meeting with Joe Judge, and Judge told him that the Giants wanted him back. And that's why he is here. Says he can lend experience to the position. 
He said he knows that Joe Judge will put the best five out there with the starting lineup and let the chips fall where they may, but he's happy to be here. He has no regrets about opting out last season because he said my family needed me, and I had to do that. So no second-guessing. He understands exactly what it was that he did, and he said he never even gave it another thought that that's something that he had to do. And now he's back here to try to see what he could do to help this team. He did say, though, that if he winds up on the right side and Will Hernandez should also win a job on the right side, that it would help just a bit because him and Hernandez had already played next to each other prior. From the left side. Yes, <laughs> correct. Exactly. Well, no, listen, I think that that makes sense, right? I mean, even though it was left and right and right and left, whatever you want to say, but uh, they, they kind of understand each other's mannerisms. They've, they played along to each other, and I think they have they can communicate well. Um, it's just, you know, you got to do it on the other side. So that's a good point. Very well, very great point. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. All four lines are open. If you'd like to get in, this is a great opportunity. It is the first day of practice at Giant Summer Training Camp in 2021. Also had a chance to uh, chat with Leonard Williams a little bit. One thing that I thought was interesting, and I know Joe Judge has told this to, to some of the media as well. Williams said he has spoken uh, with Justin Tuck and with Michael Strahan about the Giants' defensive tradition and how he realizes it's a very important thing, how he wants to be part of it, how he's never been to the playoffs in his career, and he's just really itching to get back there. Says that this team is clearly a very highly talented team, but he would not make any predictions as to getting to the postseason. But this is a guy who who clearly is taking a lot of pride in wearing that NY on his helmet. Now, Jeff, I relate this to you a little bit because you're a guy who felt the same way. You played for a number of teams, but you always said to me how special it was to be with the Giants, and not just because you won a Super Bowl here. But for guys who understand that, I think it. I think it's a good thing. And I know that Joe Judge has told some of the media that when this pandemic stuff can can kind of, you know, whittle its way down, and the protocols will open up. He is very much going to encourage Giants legends to be seen, to be heard, and to make sure that the guys on this current team understand what being big blue and being a Giant and being a champion is all mm-hmm. about. Yeah, you know, it, and it's, it's, I guess it's kind of hard for, you know, while I was looking down this roster today um, before we came on the show, and I just, you know, automatically the, the older guys stand out because they're double digits, right? 10, 11, 12 years Man, there is a lot of young guys on this football team if you go down this roster. The nice thing about this is that a lot of these guys come from big programs, programs that her, 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 the history of the programs are there. They're, they have been – they understand the history of those programs. For instance, like Georgia or Alabama or just, you know, these deep-rooted schools that have just tradition, just dripping tradition for them. They have to understand that there's that type of tradition when they come to the New York Giants as one of the most historic franchises in the history of this game. Okay, there was uh, how this organization was started. I was so fortunate to be able to be part of an organization that Wellington Merrill, when he was alive, was still here. I, I just can't tell you how important that was to me, um, how I was able to speak with him and knowing that how how deep he goes back with this team and the national football league and how it all put together with this t- this team that's important and by the way you playing for this this team is important because the veterans are excuse me the alumni they all love this team 
You know, and you all go by that mantra, once a giant, always a giant. That's the truth. And so it's important for the guys that are on this team to respect the people that have been there and what they've done for this organization. And now they need to carry the torch. And some of these guys like, uh, you know, the older veterans got to understand that and hopefully can pass on some of those traditions down to the younger players. I should mention, by the way, Saquon Barkley uh, was Mm -hmm. out watching practice today. You know, folks, uh, remember now he is on the pup list, one of uh, a number of giants who are on the pup list, which means they cannot participate. But just so you're aware, just to keep you abreast of what's going on, Saquon Barkley coming off that major knee surgery was standing to the side watching practice today as he gets what they call mental reps, (laughs) you know, (laughs) making sure that his presence is felt. And again, Jeff, I I think it's a small thing, but I, I like the fact that he's out there watching. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of guys, it, it just goes to show you his leadership. Um, it goes to show you his will to want to be back on the field with his teammates. And he only feels right to being out there with them as they're working. You know, he's not a prima donna. He's a guy that he's a team player. He's a guy that really is just, I, I think we've talked about this before, Paul, you know, you got to put the, you got to put the, you got to make sure that he's okay because he's going to want to get on that field sooner than he, than he's supposed to. And I think that's a hard thing for him um, it's an easy thing for the organization because they understand what he needs to do to, before he gets on that field because he's a guy that would just – you know, Paul, when he gets on the field, he's going to go 110% no matter what. Yes. Um, and so you got to make sure that he's ready to do that. There are some guys you might be able to, to ease them back into it, and they might be able to go 90, 95, 100. He's coming right in, man. This guy is a NASCAR. He's going to come in at 110 miles an hour. Just well, his go. specialty is explosive plays, Jeff. Yeah, and that's your, so you got to be careful. But I think it's, it's all about leadership with him, being out there on the field with his teammates, going through his workouts, and then go ahead and then cheering on and watching the other guys work. That's important. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree with that. And I, I think, you know, one of the other things that, that I noticed today mm-hmm. was a lot of chatter. Now, look, you and I both know first that there's day. a tremendous amount of camaraderie, <laughs> especially first day when you get to see your guys back again and you're yeah. out there, you're catching passes, you're throwing passes, you're on special teams, guys are running around. It, you know, it's kind of like having a new toy, right? Because mm-hmm. you get back on the field again. It was spirited, and what I liked about it was it wasn't just the young guys. It was also the older guys, too. They were vocal. They were very energized. They were getting into it, and I thought it was very important how guys like Peppers in particular had said, hey, you know, we understand that as veterans, we have to show some of the new faces and some of the the young guys who were coming in. We have to show them right from the beginning what Joe Judge is all about and what practice is all about because this is the foundation. We got to let those guys know how to get it right now. And I, you know, again, not that we've ever questioned Jabril Peppers' leadership because no one ever has, but that's the kind of thing that Joe Judge wants to hear from his older players. Yeah, except, you know, you got to lead by example. Um, not everybody's a raw, raw guy, but, um, you know, Lead by example means get get ready for meetings on time. Get be on the field first, you know. Um, be jump in line first. Take that extra rep. Um, these are kind of things that you can teach players without saying a word. And I think there's a lot of players that do that. And um, you know, I think Jabril is a very vocal guy, so he'll lead that way. I think that Logan Ryan is one of those guys where he leads that way too. He's very vocal, but he also goes and tells everybody the way it is, you know. And he's come. I think that it's important too that when you have a guy like Logan Ryan. Uh, who has had success before he got here. 
you know, people feed off of that type of success. And I think that the general manager and the organization try to, if they can, align some of those players with the roster so that you can have them inside the building. Because those guys bring a lot of experience and they bring a lot of confidence with them and that builds throughout the business. So the guys in the room, it's contagious to them. Um, mm-hmm. and so, and they, and then all of a sudden that works on the field too, Paul. So you get the guys out there that are raw, raw. That's the way that they play football. That's just the way that's in their DNA. Now there's, there's silent assassins too, guys that don't say a word and that just will, will, you know, they'll just, <laughs> they'll run you over. But, uh, those are the scary ones. And we've all seen those types, you know, <laughs> the guys that just go out there and ball out every day and then they don't say a word. They're just so quiet. I mean, remember Freddie Robbins, 100%. Freddie Robbins was that guy he doesn't say a word except when you talk to him about his basketball skills <laughs> yeah freddie yeah. freddie believes that that he could have posted up any nba center at any time during the day yeah, did he so, not yeah absolutely but he never wanted to talk about himself in football and that's, no that's the that's the and that's the humbleness that you like to see in some of these players and um and again you know when you have a roster of 90 guys right now and 53 that are going to be on the the final roster sooner or later uh, you're going to have a cast of characters. Um, you just hope that they're all good guys, and you hope that the camaraderie is there, and I think that it is here, and I think it all starts at the top with Joe Judge. I think he kind of he, he has led on to the players, this is the way I want it to be, and if you guys work hard, then good things will happen, and that's all you have to believe in. All right, I want to get to something here. Uh, we have a, a Ryan Crawford on Twitter wants us uh, to list off his bold predictions. Now, we all know that everybody on BBKL the other day had gone through some bold predictions. And by the way, again, our phone lines are open at 201-939-4513. Ryan Crawford says, on offense, uh, Daniel Jones will be a top 10 to 13 quarterback, which would put him in the upper half uh, of the starters in the league. I don't know that that's necessarily bold because I think that's very realistic. Mm Mm-hmm. And Your by thoughts. the way, there isn't a way to quantify that. That's no, the problem. That, that's a hard one. That yeah. is also true. Yeah. That's just, um, yeah. I mean, do you, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Some, pe- some people think it's bold. <laughs> some I, people I, well, don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, this is true. On defense, he says the Giants will be top 10 in both sacks and interceptions. Mm, I guess that's kind of bold. Kind yeah. of. A little yeah. bit. Um, boy, it sure would be nice. <laughs> oh, without really, a doubt. I would say that the defense is going to be good enough to do that. I mean, it's it's one thing if all of a sudden you make those claims and you don't have a defense that you really believe in. I believe this defense could do that. I think that the biggest, I guess the question mark to me is the pass rush. And that's something that has to be, I mean, we saw last year the secondary played pretty well and got better as the season went along. But now as, they, as it improves, I think the back end of the defense shows me that that could happen. But the Pass rush is something that's going to have to be kind of shown me before I start to really believe that that could happen. Jeff, I love his third and final bold prediction. I really, really like this one. He says it's a wild card because it's not about offense or it's about defense. He says Kadarius Toney will score four different ways, Mm. passing, rushing, receiving, and returning. So he, he has Toney being involved in, in well, four different types of touchdowns, passing obviously a wide receiver option where he would throw the ball into the end zone well, and, then, and then reaching the end zone as a rusher, a receiver, and on special teams. That's a, that's a heck of a th- I wonder if that's ever happened. 
Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I wish I had thought of that one. That's a really good one. (laughs) I had given it the other day. You were not on the program. I had told John and Lance that I'm going to go that Kadarius Toney will return two kicks, whether it's punts or kickoffs for touchdowns as a rookie. Okay. I can see that happening. Yeah. The other one is very bold. Um, You know, he he was a quarterback, so he definitely has a good arm. Um, The other ones, I, I, you know, if they, the punt return and a kickoff return. Um, we certainly think he's going to score a touchdown on a pass. So, yeah, you never know. It'd be interesting. Um, I think that Joe Judge is the type of coach, and as long as Jason Garrett can draw it, draw it up, that they'll take, they'll take a gamble on a trick play like that, especially if they can execute it during the week in practice. So we'll see. We'll get an idea if we see, you know, we're out of practice and see Kadarius Tony doing some passing. Maybe it's coming. Limited Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. And don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for information. Well, the phone lines are now burning up, and we're so glad you guys could join us at 201-939-4513. Tim from Florida is first on BBKL. Hello. Hey, guys, big fan. Um, I, w- I wanted to ask about Nate Solder, but before that, Giant Insider reported that Kelvin Benjamin was stealing food, and that's why he was cut. Do you guys think that's a worse look on Benjamin or Joe Judge for, you know, not letting him eat as much food as he wants? Well, let, let's just say I don't know if that's a joke or not. That's got to be a be, joke. Be, be, no, because... Giant, Giant Insider. Giant yeah, well, that's nice, and, and, I, and, I, and I appreciate, you know, whatever it is that they want to say. It's this freedom of speech, of course, but uh, there's no food out on the practice field, so I would tend no, to say no, that that's probably meant as a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. Uh, well, anyway. They said, in the cap- but they said you literally can't make it up, so I don't think they were joking. They said in the cafeteria, not the, the let me field. Let, me, let, me, let me just tell you something real quickly, okay? So this is training camp now, right? So training camp, now it's a little different because of the protocols and how COVID, and I haven't been down to the facility to see this yet, but I'll tell you how it works normally in training camp. There is so much food for these guys to eat and take back to their rooms. Um, I have a hard time believing that this was this would be the truth. I mean, honestly, because I feel like you and you, Paul and John, you guys know you've been in training camps before when we were up in Albany and there's food everywhere. These sure. guys take bagfuls of food back home. They do. The, the Giants don't care how much food they eat as long as they weigh in what they're supposed to be and that they're, you know that they're not getting fat. But there's so much food that these guys can take. I'd have a hard time believing it. Yeah, I, I think so. I think Tim, that's probably a tongue-in-cheek post. Uh, the notation on the uh, on the board here says you wanted to ask about Solder. So please, why don't you go to that question? Yeah, sorry if, if I misconstrued what they said. That's okay. Um, but Nate, Nate Solder, I. Do you guys think he's going to be actually battling for that right tackle job, especially with Paired on the pup, or do you think it's kind of like Paired's job to lose? I'll hang up and listen. All right, Tim. Thanks so much for the call. Well, look, Jeff, I think Solder said it correctly. Mm-hmm. Joe Judge is going to make sure the best five guys are in the starting lineup, and sure. this is not about popularity. 
I, I think, honestly, I think it is Matt Parrott's job to lose. I think that he showed last year how he can compete, and, and, and that can be his, his position, and, and I mean, the starter. Um, but you know what? Nate, Nate is a, a crafty veteran, you know, so I think that he's obviously moving from left to right, so there'll be a little bit of a learning curve there, but I know that he's capable of doing it. Um, but I think that they want Matt Parrott to be the starting right tackle, and I feel like if he plays well – that you could have Nate Solder as your swing guy that can move left and right. And then you're also going to interior, you're going to have one of your swing guys that can play the positions of center and guards. That's my, that's my take. I, think, I don't know about you, Paul. Well, I agree with you totally, Jeff, but I think it's important to quantify, the, I guess, the correct, correct adjective here. I don't know that it's Perch's job to lose. I think he certainly has a foot in the door because the anticipation and the expectation is that he will perform well enough to win the job. But when you say it's his job to lose, that basically means he has to fall on his face to blow it. And I don't know it's I don't know that it's quite that decisive, to be honest with you. Well, they gotta come up with a depth chart. So I guess, you know, to me, Matt Parrott right now is on the whatever I'm looking at is they have him listed as Well the he's P U P right now, so I don't I don't know yeah. that he can be considered the starter while he's P U P. I mean, the PUP, he's not going to be PUP for game one. It's, it's I would doubt it. So. I would doubt it. I would expect that he's there. But let's just say for argument's sake, and this is all hypothetical because, fellas, we don't know anything about when a guy's on PUP when he's going to be activated. As you know, he can be activated at any time but has to be activated before the final 53 is submitted. Otherwise, he's got to miss at least six weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's got this back thing apparently is what they're listing him at. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many reps he's going to get in August. To be fair, Jeff, I I don't know. And depending upon how many reps he gets and how well that Solder does, is it possible that Solder could wrestle the job away? I would say yes. 100%. I would not put any chips in Atlantic City on that. But is it possible? Sure. Yeah. And, again, injuries, as we know, they can linger. And the more you miss, the more you miss the opportunity of keeping your job at any position. So, you know, like you said, you can't make the club in the tub. That's the, the one thing. So you right. got to be on the field. you got to be competing. Joe Judge wants competition at every position, no matter what it is. He wants to compete at those positions. If you can't compete and you cannot practice, then, yeah, Nate Solder will be your starting right tackle. And I think it's important to remember what I said earlier during this program. Nate Solder told us that he had mixed feelings at times about coming back, and Joe Judge talked to him and said, the Giants want you back. I want you back. And that's what swung it that Solder decided to come back. That means a lot. That means an awful lot, and you know that. It does. It really does. Because, you know, in this business, um, and having played it for a long time, you, you hear enough negativity. You hear It's always there. You know, you stink. You're not good enough anymore. Um when somebody comes to you and tells you, and I and I believe that Joe Joe Judge is as honest as they as they get, and tells you that I want you back, we want you here, that that does wonders. It really does because it builds your confidence that this team does actually want me, because I'm sure that, and I don't know if Nate was reading the newspapers or social media, whatever it is in nowadays, but a lot of people were basically saying that Nate Shoulder didn't need to be back. You know, nobody wanted him back. So I, I think this is a great thing for him. And I think that that shows a lot of confidence in him and himself that you can come back when the head coach says, I want you back. Now I want you to go compete with a younger guy here who's got a lot of upside. And, um, you know, Nate is the type of person who 
number one, you've got to know him. I've got to know him. He's a wonderful man. He and is. he's also a guy that's going to help the next person. He's Without just not going to turn his shoulder on Matt Parrott. Okay, he's not that type of guy. And I think that that's one of the reasons why Joe Judge looked at him in the eye and said, I want you back. I mean, I, I want you back. I want you to compete. You know, we're going to pay you to play. And, but also, you know, can you show my young guy a little, show him the ropes a little bit. Teach him. That's what I think is why they wanted him back to. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. We have some lines open. Jamie in New York, you're next on the show. Hello. Hi, Jamie. Hey, what's up, guys? Good to talk to you. Um, thanks. Uh, thanks for taking the call. I just had a question, you know, kind of good transition, talking about the O-line a little bit. Um, just, I guess, talking about, you know, and I've been meaning to call about this, you know, uh, earlier in the off season, but I see a lot of parallels between how we were talking about, for example, the wide receiver core last year and, you know, even leading up to the draft, you know, like I think after the first couple rounds where we didn't go with a wide receiver, every round we were like, this might be a wide receiver and, and it ended up not going that way. And then this year, similar, you know, the off season, the weakest spot, the draft, no, no offensive line and so on. And I guess I'm just curious to think, like, to hear your perspective about, like, what the differences are, you know, because obviously – you know, it wasn't just the wide receivers why the offense wasn't, you know, too too great last year. Obviously, we lost Saquon, and the O-line was, was, was you know, great. But <clears throat> just thinking about the similarities between kind of like how the offseason went last year, this season, and, and then the in-season results in, that, in those positions, and just kind of get your thoughts about, like, why I guess it's different this time around with how, like, the, mm-hmm. the support has been thrown at, at, at the O-line and so on, and, you know just kind of hear about that because I'm intrigued and, you know, obviously I trust this, you know, coaching staff, but just kind of thinking about it in the same way, like, like, you know, it kind of didn't work out last time. So both positions, offensive line and wide receiver, right? Well, this year more, like I'm just making the, the, the kind of the parallel between the two from last year being wide receiver and this year being well, offensive I, line. And I, I do think different. Yeah, I do think there are actually comments to make about both positions. Jeff, I'll let you go first, but I certainly no, have thoughts ahead. about both. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well let, let's put it this way. You look at the Giants' offensive line, and last year they made significant changes by putting Nick Gates at center for the first time ever, by drafting Andrew Thomas, by drafting Matt Parrott. I mean, these guys are now holdovers who were supposed to grow and mature and get better at the spot. Last year, you're putting three guys basically as fresh as a celery stalk into that, into that lineup, mm-hmm. and, and Shane Lemieux also. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a completely different dynamic compared to guys who are now coming back in their second year with the team. So that, that in itself, you anticipate that there's going to be improvement and comfort and confidence, uh, which, quite frankly, another thing that these players talked about today on the patio is that coming back for a second year with the same coaching staff does help with continuity and does help with their familiarity with what they're trying to do and does help them play better and faster and, and all that other stuff. And then as far as the receivers go, my comment to you there would be the Giants went out and they got three guys who specialize in making plays for the quarterback. 
Tony had, I think, what, three drops his entire college career at Florida. His hands are as soft as cotton. He doesn't drop anything. We know that uh, Galladay is the best wide receiver in the NFL at making contested catches, and we know that Kyle Rudolph is one of the top tight ends in the NFL at making contested catches. So you went from a skill position receiving core that had trouble making contested catches and had trouble with drops to adding three guys who have glue on their fingertips. I have to believe that that is a tremendous boost to Daniel Jones and this offense and is a concrete reason to believe that this offense will be much more productive. Yeah, I, th- I agree with you. I think with the offensive line, I think that the one thing that you want to stay as consistent as you can um, so last year it was inconsistent, right? I mean, you had all these moving parts and guys coming in. You had COVID. You had Hernandez going out. Lemieux stayed back in there. Um, Andrew Thomas kind of had his, you know, rookies. Uh, at the end of the season, he started to play well. But, you know, and by the way, they have a new head coach. They have a new coach, a new offensive line coach. So um, there is a little bit of transition there. But one thing that stays consistent is a lot of those guys are, you know, they're still together. Then there's no really the, – the, the core is still together. Um, the offense of the receivers, I think, you know, Daniel Jones is going to have a lot more ability to complete passes with the guys that you just mentioned. And I think that's where you're going to see the difference. Um, last year, new offense. And by the way, you know, even though that Galladay is new and, and even like guys like John Ross um, who can, you know, run like, like the wind, these guys all have to learn a kind of a new system, but they're wide receivers. They, they know they have, they have a route tree that they run. They just have to get in the book and, and learn the plays, but it will be better for collectively at this offense in its second year of an offense because Daniel Jones is going to have a better idea of how this offense needs to run on first, second, and third down. That's, I think that's important. I, and I think I should go back to something you just said about the offensive line, too, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Pat Flaherty is back, and we've mm-hmm. mentioned this a number of times during the offseason. But Nate Solder today, this is a guy who's been in the league for more than a decade. He was glowing when talking about flats, as the, as the offensive sure. linemen call him today, saying his knowledge and experience, it has been terrific to listen to this guy because he has so much to offer. And if Nate Solder can tell you that, mm-hmm. as a guy who has played a ton of games in this league, that that tells you a tremendous amount of what Flats' worth is coming into that room. Yeah, and I, I, I had a good talk with uh, Rob Sale this summer um, and was asking him about his existence with him, you know, with, with Coach Flaherty and, and them working together. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, I, I – how is it that you're the head guy? And of course, Coach Flaherty has always been the head guy most of the time. Um, how does that relationship work? And he said, you know what? It works great because um, I see him as a mentor to me, but I also see, I, you know, he's, he respects of who I am as the, as the head offensive line coach and some of my techniques and theories that I work, but we work together. Um, do we agree on everything? No, but we try to, we try to to meet on a common ground and try to get there. And I think that it's important because Coach Fless has such a vast knowledge of the positions, every one of those, and as a group. And then you got Rob Sale, who is a guy who's up and coming in, in this league. It's his first year. 
that he's transitioning into the pro level where things are done a certain way. And I think that that's why um, I think they're going to do well with Coach Flaherty. I think it was an outstanding hire for Coach Judge this year, being able to get him back in, in the building because of his vast knowledge of the position. And he's coached some great ones. He's coached probably perhaps one of the best offensive line in the history of the Giants back when they were in 07 and those that run through the Super Bowl years. Those guys were ballers. And I think that he's going to try to get those back with the guys they have now. Great stuff. 201-939-4513. Glenn from Florida. You're next on BBKL. Hello. Hello, Glenn. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hi. We're doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Okay. Our question is about Daniel Jones. What do you expect um, to see out of him this year? Well, I'll answer that. I'm hoping to see a little bit more consistency. I'm looking to see a little bit more um, taking care of the football, which I think is a point of emphasis for him. But more importantly, I I like to see him as as really one of the true team leaders and a a guy that comes in and and really takes control of this offense and understands down and distance, understands when to, you know, just throw the ball away rather than try to force something in there. And also, I'd like to see Daniel Jones be consistently getting his ball to his playmakers in, an, in a kind of an easy way. And I think that Jason Garrett will be able to help him with that. But, you know, don't try to go out there and win the game every game by yourself. You've got a lot of guys that the Giants brought into the, the organization this year. Let them make plays for you, you know, and be smart that way. Yeah. So hope that answers your question. Yeah, I agree. Well, Glenn, I, 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 I would add one other thing because I have tremendous yeah. confidence in Daniel Jones in this offense. So I think a lot of the things, if not all of the things that Jeff just said, will get done. That That's, that's not my biggest concern. Mine is that Daniel Jones starts all 17 games. Yeah, you know, he's true. been in this league for two years, good. and he's missed games because of injury and played a game hobbled last year against the Arizona Cardinals, you know, when, you know, he was obviously not himself. So I, I yeah. can I just ask him for 17 healthy games because I think all the other stuff, I think he's going to take care of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree. But thanks for the call. Anything else? Good to talk to you, Glenn. Thank you so much. 201-939-4513 is our phone number or hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Paul Tatino with Super Bowl champion putter Jeff Fiegels with you on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We're here until the top of the hour. If you're listening live, uh, we are, again, starting at 2 p.m. Eastern time this week due to the uh, scheduling of training camp so that we can discuss the practices and the media availabilities with everybody. And, uh, you know, just stay tuned during the course of camp as we have to sometimes move things around to give you guys uh, the best information possible after the day is completed. I believe it's Teray in Philadelphia who is on line one. You're next on BBKL. Hello. Hello. How are you guys doing today? We're Very well, good. sir. How are you? Oh, doing fine, doing fine. You actually said my name right. Thank you for getting everything. You're very welcome. <laughs> All right. Um, just wanted to uh, make uh, a couple of bold predictions, but I wanted to touch on one of your callers who uh, said the, uh, about the tweet about the uh, Calvin Benjamin stealing the, the, the food. That was that was they was just playing. That wasn't real. Yeah, I, I <laughs> suspected it, it was tweet. T- Right. I suspected it was tongue in cheek because, quite frankly, Kelvin Benjamin put on a lot of weight 
since his days as a wide receiver as he tried to come back out of retirement as a tight end. So I kind of thought that. I don't want to be disrespectful to the caller, nor do I want to be disrespectful to the poster. Uh, I I know the guys over at Giant Insider. They're nice fellas. Uh, so I, I didn't want didn't to hammer on them. But, again, I suspected it was tongue-in-cheek all along because I understand Benjamin's background. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, just, just to put that out there. But um, I also had some bold predictions. And I hope um, uh, John is listening so he can write these He down. is. He uh, is. <laughs> okay, so one of them is um, I uh, predict that um, Darius, uh, uh, Slayton will uh, lead the Giants in yak yards, interceptions, and receptions. Darius right. Slayton in yak yards. I, you know, that's a bold prediction considering how good Galladay is at getting those types of yards. Yeah, but I, I consider that Galladay still is going to be getting acclimated with the offense, so he might not come along right away. And I think that with that chemistry that Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton have, I think them two guys are going to really, really hit it off big this season. And, and you know what? I, yeah, good logic. I, I'm curious. How well do you think Tony's going to do in yak yardage? Tremendous. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that's, that's true, too. But he may but not like, get it this like, year, maybe next what, year. Yeah, maybe, exactly. And I was the same way like with um, Galladay. You know, it's going to probably take them some time to get acclimated and get used to the play, the playbook. So maybe next year, yeah, I might pick him for a poll prediction next year. Tere, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it real confusing for you. I would say sure. he maybe Slayton has the most yak yardage by the end of the season, but maybe one of those other guys has more yak yardage per catch. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like that would be uh, Shepard there. <laughs> See, I'm giving you another whole level to your comment. We 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 just try to peel back the layers of the onion here on BBKL. Yeah, I know. I know you guys. I know. All right. Uh, well, my other bold prediction is that um, I predict that Darnay Holmes will lead the team in interceptions. Okay. Huh. You expect him to be the starting slot guy, correct? Correct. I think he's going to be the starting slot, and I think he's going to lead the team in interceptions. Jeff, what do you think? Well, I think that uh... – well, we got to make sure that he's the starting slot guy first in order to get that, right? I mean, so he's got a good shot at that. So I would probably agree with you there. Um, interceptions. I'm not going to go with the interceptions, though. I actually think that one of the safeties might, you know, might be there and get more. Um, but I think the only thing I would agree with you, I think he will be the starting slot corner. But I don't know. It's, it's, it, who knows? I guess it's all well, the reason why the reason why I picked him because if he is the starting slot corner, and I, I think they're going to implement a lot of more man to man. That's and true. And I think he's mm-hmm. really, really equipped in that slot corner to play lock down that slot. So mm-hmm. that's why I picked him as the uh, the slot corner to have in the second. I would have went with Xavier McKinney, but somebody already took that bold prediction. Mm-hmm. So that's why I chose Darnay Holmes. I like his chances this year. I think he's had an outstanding season last year when he was in that slot. Yeah. So, 
That's, it's that's it's certainly not out. Of, it's not. I mean, it, it could happen. It could happen. Yeah. It's not, yeah. It's, I wouldn't be surprised, but I will tell you that you know I think Darnay is uh, is an up and coming player. I really do. I think the guy is. He studies the game. He's a smart kid. Um, I mean, heck, he graduated college in three years. You know, can I play devil's advocate and give you a counter here? I'm not debating you and it I'm will, not arguing be, with you. It wouldn't be a show without that, Paul. All right, my friend. <laughs> I, I appreciate that because, you know, I specialize in, again, peeling back the layers of the onion and looking at all angles yes. of the prism. That's what I do. Yes. Now, now yes. understand this, right? The slot guy in most cases is the bailout guy especially on third down, because that's the guy who the quarterback can get the ball to the quickest. So if he's having difficulties with the pass rush, that's the guy who he's going to throw it to, which means a lot of times that guy's running shorter routes. Now, as much as Holmes may blanket that slot guy if he's playing man-to-man coverage, it is very hard to intercept short routes unless you're gambling and jumping them all the time. And that can be incredibly dangerous. So I just offer that to you as something that might offset Holmes's potential right. to rack up a bunch right. of picks. Right, I understand that. I understand that. But who knows? He might he might <laughs> play outside sometimes. Sometimes he might play inside. Don't so know. If he, even if he's outside, who knows? You know. Very, very uh, true. I think Graham is going. To, I think Graham is going to use this defense very, very effectively. So who knows? Sometimes he might. He might put a Dorian in the slot and put Darnay outside. Or he might put Robinson in the slot and put Darnay outside. I mean, it could be either way, but I, I like how you peel back those onions. But I'm still going to stick with that focus. I'm pick. with you. I'm not, hey, say, I'm not trying to discourage you. The bottom <laughs> line is. I just want to say thank you yeah. guys for all your great coverage. I love you guys. Keep up the great work. And have a good day. Thank call you. again, please. Great call. Great call. And I love Patrick Graham's Rubik's Cube defense especially his Rubik's Cube secondary. And I'm going to coin that one. You guys can't steal that from me. That's mine, just like Belichickian is mine. I love, I love what this professor could do with his Rubik's Cube. And, Jeff, it's going to be a lot of fun figuring out who's playing <laughs> where, not just based on the opponent, but based on the quarter. I mean, he's got the ability to be moving guys all around his chessboard anytime he wants to. Yeah, because he's got the depth. He's got the players, finally. I, I can't wait for when you ask him that question. Coach Graham, do you mind if I call your defense the Rubik's Cube defense? Would you ask him that question, Paul? I'm, I'm going to lay it on him. I know, I, look, I know Coach Graham from when he was a D-line coach yeah. here. We used, to, we used to have a lot of time together on the road. We get along marvelously Good. well, and I can't I'm wait. Gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spring that on him. I'm going to spring that on him. Right. We go I back like to it. our phones at uh, 201-939-4513. 201 201- Nine three nine four five one three. Line two has Sean from Maryland. You're next on BBKL. Hello. What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? Good. Great to talk to you. Um. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, you guys posted an interview, and uh, kudos to Paul. It was an excellent interview where he um, interviewed Antro Roll, where he talked about his playoff experiences and the, the Super Bowl and all that. Great. Interview. Yes, I remember that. Sure. So my, yeah, Thank you. So my question is. Um, I understand what happened with Plaxico and his situation, but it kind of seems like out of all the players and, you know, the, the Super Bowl champions from, from back then, unfortunately the things happened with Plaxico, but how come we don't see more of uh, Plaxico? Like, how is he doing? Like, can we get, you know, when you guys to give Plaxico an interview to kind of 
just want to check up on him and make sure that you know he he knows that he has love coming from Giants fans. So is that something that you know you guys can? Try to arrange. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, I I don't know how much you've you've listened to the shows over the years or even uh, checked out our website. Plexico Burris has been back many times since he retired. And in fact, quite often, I'm the guy who winds up interviewing him, whether it's on BBKL or it's on the website where we do a a two-minute drill or we do an alumni update or or anything of that nature. And also, quite honestly, we have a lot of marketing opportunities where a lot of the Giants alums come back and they'll do seminars and Q&As and chalk talks and sign autographs. Burris has been back for a lot of those, and, and I've been participating with him. So he has not been forgotten. And trust me, anybody who knows anything about that Super Bowl knows not to forget Plexico Burris. Jeff has a ring to prove it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, love that last absolutely. catch you made. <laughs> yep. And uh, fortunately, I got um, some tickets to FanFest. So is there any, uh, you know, kind of hints as to what's going on, what to expect? At FanFest, or is everything going on with that? Good. Well, details still being worked out, as everybody probably knows, that August 11th is the FanFest right. at uh, MetLife Stadium where the Giants will have a practice. You guys will be able to watch practice, and I know some alums will be there, and they'll be signing autographs and taking pictures, and I think there'll be some events there for you to do as well. I know they're still working out the details. It is a Herculean uh, effort to get this event going, especially since the wheels haven't been turning for about a year and a half to have fans in the building. So there's a lot of oil that's got to be applied to those wheels to make this thing happen. And as we get closer, I'm sure we'll be able to give you some more details. But I'm glad you were able to get tickets. All right, I appreciate that. And one bold prediction right quick before I get off. Yes. My bold prediction is that Peppers is going to have more sacks than Leonard Williams. I think they're going to blitz him more often than not. (laughs) And they're going to completely confuse uh, the offenses. So I'm pretty excited to see how that works out. That's bold with a capital B. (laughs) That's scary, actually. Wow. (laughs) I hope not. I really don't. I I don't want that to be true. I really don't. Unless they both have 10, then I'd be okay with that. But, uh, boy, I don't know. Um you know, they got a lot, a lot of people that talk about Leonard Williams and that, you know, what's going to happen with him now that he got his new contract and, you know, how some of these guys and Paul, we, we've covered and played. I played with a lot of these guys that get paid and you see what happens the next year. I don't think this is I think Leonard Williams is one of those guys where, you know, he's he's 100, 100 miles an hour. He's going to do what he's got to do and he's going to represent this organization pretty darn good. Well, you know what, Jeff? Let, let me ask you this question, and I don't know how much you and I have actually had this conversation, and we're about to sign off here, but, you know, he had his career year last year, and you and I have both seen many players who go into their contract year, mm-hmm. they ball out, they sign pen to paper, and then all of a sudden uh, kind yeah. of takes a step backwards. I don't sense that in him in any way, shape, no, or form. I don't. I don't either. And the only thing that I see with if, if, if there is a reason why his production goes down is that because he he's commanding a lot of double teams and that that means it's going to be good for someone else. So even though maybe it may look like he didn't have a great year, I'm, I'm just speculating here. I don't think this is going to happen. I hope it doesn't. But the reason why sometimes it does is that, you know, these guys, they, they double team them. They, they basically game plan. And, but that's that's good for someone else. That's good for someone else on that defensive line to be able to take the take the place of that other lineman that's going after and, and their double team and Leonard that frees up one other person like maybe Dexter. You know, I mm-hmm. think Dexter's going to have a come out year. I think he's going to have an outstanding season this year. 
Well, that would certainly be welcome news to the Giants. All right, folks, once again, Big Blue kickoff live for the time being. We are live uh, from 2 p.m. Eastern time for one hour to take your phone calls at 201-939-4513. Hit us up on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. Jeff, you and I will be back tomorrow, not necessarily on this show, but doing the Giants training camp report that will be on Giants.com. That'll be almost a half hour of video highlights of training camp's practice tomorrow. That'll be the second practice of the training camp. So I look forward to not only seeing and talking to you then, but also hopefully the fans will get a taste of what's going on here in East Rutherford. Can't wait. Can't wait to get back in the building. See everybody. So he is, uh, he, I know, man. It's cool. It's cool. Right. It's, it's time. Nice. Yeah. He's at Jay Fiegel's. And I am at Giants WFAN. That's Jeff Fiegel's and Paul Dottino. We'll talk to you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live. So long, everybody.